Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the fifth season of the Combustion Chronicles podcast, where bold leaders combined with big ideas to make life better for all of us. I'm your host, Sean Nason, CEO and founder of Mophie. In these episodes, we'll be exploring the power, influence, and importance of experience ecosystems. To do that, we're bringing together the most unique and influential experience experts in the world for honest conversations about not being okay with the status quo, leading with heart, and getting real about heart sets and mindsets. In case you're wondering, an experience ecosystem is the web of people, touch points, and interactions that combine to create all of the positive and negative experiences we have in the world. When an organization wants to improve customer experience, they're wasting their time if they're not willing to engage and humanize their entire experience ecosystem. It's time to blow up some silos and ignite an experience revolution by putting people first. Well, on this episode, we have Blake Morgan, a leader in customer experience. She is a keynote speaker and customer experience futurist and author of two books on customer experience. Real Leaders Magazine recently recognized her as number 13 of the top 40 female keynote speakers worldwide. Her best-selling second book, The Customer of the Future, 10 Guiding Principles for Winning Tomorrow's Business, was identified by Business Insider as one of the top 20 books executives are reading to deal with COVID-19. She is the host of the Modern Customer Podcast and the Be Your Own Boss podcast. We couldn't be more delighted to have her on the show. Blake, welcome to the Combustion Chronicles. Sean, thank you for having me. Everything lately just feels like I have little kids, so today's Tuesday, but really there's no point in differentiating Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, because I (laughs) like nonstop. But luckily, I really do like what I do. So actually for me... Monday through Friday feels more like the weekend than the weekend, which don't get me wrong, I love being a mom, but I just love solving these problems. I think you and I are both interested in innovation and really problem solving because that's just what life is about. So this is like even doing this podcast with you today is just such a treat. So I'm looking forward to playing this game of answering your questions. <laughs> Let's start. <laughs> well, awesome. I, I love it. And we're going to learn a lot from you today. I have to let our listeners know that you and your husband are a powerhouse couple. And you are making your own way with style and on your own expertise and a lot, a lot, a lot of hustle. Um, can you tell our audience a little bit about how you became your own boss and what drove your husband and you to want to help other people do the same? Yeah, so you, I love the way you worded it, Sean, because that's totally it. It's be, the Be Your Own Boss podcast is my show that I have with my husband, Jacob. It's funny because you say where people always say, oh, you're a power couple, but I'm not sure. I really, that phrase, it doesn't reflect who we are because we're just like, I don't know if it, it's because we're anything special. We just rejected what the status quo was. And we just thought, no, this isn't for us. Well, let me take you back to being 21 years old, 
unhappy, of course, and we're all unhappy dreamers go to New York City and going, oh, this is interesting. But my dream of being the Anna Winter of, I guess, writing. So getting a, a writing job for a really cool magazine and like living a life like Carrie from Sex and the City. That uh, unfortunately wasn't in the cards for me. Got a job in business events. And that was the beginning of what I'm doing now, which was like 16 years ago, was producing the content for big events. And eventually I landed in this role of being the creator of the online part of that. When this was all starting to happen, social media, I was just really in the right place at the right time. And that was customer management. And I had a podcast back in like 2000. Seven, when all of this really was taking off. And I really never looked back. I did five years into my stint in New York go, oh, I am not sleeping very well. I don't like it here. The guys here are terrible. And I met Jacob and I thought he was super cute, super lovely, and just a lot of fun. We had so much in common. So I was like, okay, we're going to move. I'm going to move. And we moved to San Francisco. I moved to be with him. And then my career, which had been going great up to that point, I had one job for five years. Then I floundered. Like my personal life was going great. I was in one relationship with one guy, but my career really was getting, it was a lot of stops and starts. I did a startup, got laid off, this job, that job, fired, got laid off from a Fortune 100 company. And I was crying to Jacob, just going, I can't do this anymore. Like, this is painful. There's something wrong with me or I don't know what to do. And I just realized in that moment that I never wanted to leave my destiny in someone else's hands ever again. Mm. The good news is that I had been building my brand the whole time just because I loved doing content and I loved sharing information about customer experience, which was my passion. So I had already had a Forbes column. I already was doing speaking for free. And at that moment, I really switched directions and started charging and never looked back. I also had severance. So that was very helpful. I had six months <laughs> of you know, rent money saved up. And that was uh, six and a half years ago. It is not easier necessarily being your own boss, but it's like you, people like you and me probably would rather work a million hours on their own terms than even one hour where someone's telling you what to do and where to be and when. So that's my love story of my career. I love that. And yeah, I would agree with you. We are all about, and I'm all about blowing up the status quo and kicking it to the wayside. I left corporate probably around the same time you did and started my own gig and started Mofi and so glad to have you here. So let's dig in a bit about customer experience and, and your passion about that experience. And, and we actually talk about experience as a much broader thing than just customer experience, but this experience ecosystem. But in your best-selling book, The Customer of the Future, you say that companies will win by embedding a customer focus into every aspect of their business. Why does it take an all-hands-on-deck approach to deliver on experience? Yeah, I think what is challenging is when one person in one corner of the company goes, oh gosh, we really need to do a better job with customers. And they come up to me after events when I'm speaking and they say, Blake, what do I do? What do I do? My company isn't doing a great job and I really want to change that. Well, the bad news for them is, oh man, it's pretty hard to, as a single person, make your whole company customer-centric. The key is really to operationalize it into how you run your business. Like you used to work at Disney, 
Disney is a great example of customer centricities in the fabric of what they do, creating joy, creating fun. And I love Disney because even like when you go to the Disney parks, they're using technology to make customers' lives easier and better. Like there's no trash at Disney World because there are sensors under, and you probably know this, sensors in the trash cans that tell the janitor when the trash can's being too full. So you never see like a trash can that's overflowing like you would at probably Coachella. Yep. And it's the attention to detail, to creating not just an experience, but something that makes people feel something, makes their life easier and better. My big thing is how do we reduce stress for people? Because life is stressful. And unfortunately, customer experience, often mismanaged, run by one group, customer service. That makes no sense. Why is the experience handled by people that only are supposed to fix things when something goes wrong? And that's why some companies really get it and they operationalize it. It's in the fabric. It's part of everything they do. These are companies like Spotify Music Streaming, Apple Products, Amazon, you know, Peloton. I just finally got a Peloton. I wanted to see what that experience was all about. Oh, well, it's all about personalization and using technology to create this experience that really enriches my life. It's not just about the bike. It's about the services (laughs) around the bike that make it incredible. So these modern brands that are doing so well with experience, many of them really did well through COVID because they were not only having the right mindset to focus on customers, but they also had been through things called a digital transformation where they're solving traditional problems with technology. And I mean, I did this research on seven companies that had been through digital transformations pre-COVID because I thought, is there any financial benefit to doing all this work, this digital transformation? And what I found is that all these companies did so great pre-COVID and then after COVID, Almost all of them had crazy stock price gains, like Microsoft in five years had gone up like 350%. Home Depot, Best Buy, Target, Honeywell, all did incredible. Walmart, obviously. The only company that didn't do as well was Hasbro, the toy company that relied too much on in-store inventory. So I think the companies that are winning today are excelling because they not only have that initial mindset that is necessary, that Disney mindset, which my favorite quote is overmanage the things that you care about. That's a Disney quote. Yep. So they're solving traditional problems with technology. They've got the mindset and they're obsessed and hungry with innovation, constantly making things better. And these are the companies I often talk about, the Spotify's, the Peloton's, Apple, Amazon, Hulu. These are my favorite brands. So I'm a huge Peloton fan. I was actually at the Consumer Electronics Show, I think it was three or four years ago when they really hit the market. And we were one of those that I actually don't have a Peloton bike, but I got the Peloton treadmill. And and through some of even their struggles this year and seeing how they manage that experience, what I have found powerful with their digital experience, Blake, is I actually use the Peloton app more than I use the Peloton treadmill itself mm-hmm. because I travel so much for work. But the app experience is so amazing that when I get out and walk, when I'm traveling, I put on my Peloton app because I still want to hear Maddie cheering me on. And Maddie's my favorite um, instructor there. He does amazing 70s and 80s uh, workouts. 
And I get out there and I still want to hear him cheering me on, even though I'm not on my Peloton. That's when I realized they had built such a powerful digital experience because I was using their app even when I wasn't using their product. Yeah, so, totally. Because uh, that that voice, and I know what it's like to be on the road. Everything is unfamiliar. You're going into some hotel gym. It's not very inspiring. I never get as good of a workout when I'm on the road. But yes, if you can bring that Peloton experience with you, then mentally you're you're in that comfort of, okay, like I'm in the zone now. I'm with Maddie. I know what to do. I got to pick it up. Like I get it. And that's why Peloton, they know like my first workout was with someone called Allie Love, who apparently is a celebrity. Didn't know that. And I thought, oh, she must be pretty like well-followed. She has like almost a million Instagram followers. And (laughs) like, I could see people like Janelle Monae, like liking her Instagram posts. And I thought... Oh, okay. I get it. They've built this like celebrity. And I understand those instructors get paid like very well. Yeah. So this is a whole universe. It is. It's amazing. All right. So Blake, as a futurist, what are some signals of change that you have seen recently influencing then the digital customer experience? What are some signals of change that you see in the future coming that maybe you can do some predictions about around digital experience? One glaringly obvious one is that COVID made all of our lives so different. Loyalty died in 2020. Nobody cared about what brands they were loyal to. They just wanted to get, for example, groceries safely and efficiently and quickly. And so that really broke the doors open for any new market entrance, any disruptors. Because here you had customers that now didn't have as many options, were really scared and needed products they couldn't necessarily normally get in their or get in their normal channel. And so e-commerce players, obviously, you know, huge customers can't physically come to you. How are you going to provide this remote virtual experience that is just as good as if you were there? And so we really saw brands up their game to deliver experiences to customers that normally they wouldn't be able to virtually, like even telehealth, a huge trend not going away. And actually recently presented five CX trends. And so clearly like level setting on COVID, COVID changed everything because customer behavior changed so much. Many of us picked up habits we don't want to get rid of. Like I bought a Peloton. I'm not going back to the gym. I know that. I'm doing a lot more virtual speeches now. Really am enjoying that. I have a one-year-old at home. I don't want to be on the road as much. So, you know, a lot of these virtual, these habits and behavior changes are not going away. We're still in this kind of weird time where people don't want to get rid of their mask. And it's just an, a bit of an awkward time. But so some of the exciting trends that for 2022 that I'm thinking about are virtual experiences are here to stay. Digital transformation, I talked about that a little earlier. Really important that companies are solving traditional problems with technology wherever they can. Personalization on steroids. And I hate to sound like a real like tech futurist person, but I have a Tesla. And that personalization, I haven't seen anything like what you get from a Tesla from anybody else. And now they have this dynamic personalization where there's a camera in the car knowing who you are, different than your 
like my husband and I both drive the same car. So it knows, it will know, hasn't been released yet, but if it's me versus Jacob and the personalization you get from Tesla, I just don't see from other auto makers. So data, a big focus on the data-driven organization, delivering that personalized experience that is good, but not creepy. And then fourth, looking at digitization and a voice-activated assistance because now you know I talk I run my whole business for my watch some days when I'm walking my dog talking to my assistants I got the nanny asking me a question I'm doing it all through voice dictation so customers now want to use voice dictation to talk to companies like Rothy's you can shop Rothy's shoes through voice dictation solving customer issues or even like through IoT in your home if you've been to Sean, if you've been to CES, and I'm sure you're into this stuff. So, you know, my whole house, my husband, we do the lights. Like when we have a special setting when we sit down at night and watch our shows, which we love, like the fans, the, the alarm, like as much as possible, we're using voice uh, dictation. So that trend is only, only going to gain steam. The only thing I've heard about this that's negative is in Europe, there's so many dialects and the language barrier that through natural language processing, companies need to do a better job of accounting for the way people speak and the multitude of languages. So I just gave you four trends. The last one I'll just quickly touch on is changes to cookies. So Google Chrome will no longer allow third-party cookies in 2022. And Apple is also making it harder for advertisers to spam customers. Customers can now opt out of targeted advertising on the iPhone, which I actually did recently. So customers have demanded greater privacy and control over their data, and now brands are responding. So we've talked a lot and love it around the CX trends and the digital experience. And as you can tell, I'm really passionate about this ecosystem of experience. Let's dive into employee experience because you look at innovative companies like Uber and Lyft as examples and say, we need to think of employees as our first customers. So why pick those companies and just how important is the employee experience to the customer experience? So I have to say, Jacob is a amazing person to talk about this, my husband. He wrote a book called The Employee Experience Advantage. And in the book, he breaks it down into three things. He says that all you need to do if you want to make life better for your employees is focus on culture, technology, and physical space. And... That's really unique today, those things, because of COVID as well. Like so many of us are not in our normal physical space. The culture is created through Zoom. Technology has been so critical in connecting us all, in keeping us, keeping us able to work. And so culture, technology, and physical space. He did research to find if there was any profit because of course, business is about making a profit in investing in these things. And he found that companies that invest in culture, technology, and physical space are 4.2 times more profitable than companies that don't. To me, I've done so much research that makes the connection between an employee and customer experience. Like if you don't understand that the way people feel at work impacts the work that they create and you know, there's just heightened awareness now that times are complicated. People are stressed. They're depressed. I love Adam Grant, who described it in a New York Times column as languishing, that people are not, you know, we don't have COVID, many of us, because we're vaccinated, but life is still sort of on hold. It's not, at least I live in California, it's not open. 
It's not fully, you know, we're not back to normal. And uh, languishing, people are kind of bummed. They stay in bed longer in the morning. They're binge watching Netflix at night because they're trying <laughs> to get revenge on the day that was taken from them because they had to like, they had to take care of their kids and they're not seeing their colleagues and a lot of the activities we used to do, we don't do anymore. So languishing. So people still feel like crap and people actually are working more now from home than they did when they were in the office. And so what does that mean? That means we need to be empathetic to how we treat our employees. That means that employees are smiling through a lot of pain right now. Life is hard in general. And now we threw this whole crazy year into the mix where so much changed for people and it was scary and it's still scary. And so I think employee experience matters now more than ever. And once we feel good at work, we're going to do a better job for our customers. We're going to be I think, I don't know if it was Disney, but that that smile, maybe it was Disney. They train their call center people to have a smile in their voice when they talk. Yep. Like I'm smiling right now, Sean, can you tell? Yeah. But now yeah. I'm not smiling. So anyways, so I work in an area where I deal with a lot of call centers. If people are unhappy on the phone and their jobs, they're not going to be smiling while they talk. Yeah, I was a cast member, but I was backstage. I didn't have to do guest interactions. But I learned to smile. That was just part of it because it does, it does amazing things to you. So let's take it a step further from employee experience because in your book, The Customer of the Future, you wrote, invest in your leaders and they'll invest in your employees who will in turn provide superior experience to your customers. How do we build customer-focused leaders then? One step further. Yeah, I'm glad you asked me about this. I was just talking to somebody about this today that so often we hire people from great companies and we say, just do what you did at Disney, but do it here. Or we're going to hire you. I know you worked at Nordstrom. Just replicate that here or Amazon or whatever, the Ritz-Carlton. But the best companies have their own mission and values and they hire great people, but then they operationalize that leadership development. And so many companies don't do that. They don't do a great job of onboarding people and indoctrinating them into their customer-focused and employee-focused way of doing business. So I think the best companies are not leaving it up to chance. They are onboarding people. They are training them. They're always doing leadership development programs to make sure that they're always on point as far as the mission and values of the company. Overmanage the things you care about. If you care about customer-focused leadership, then you better be creating those programs that ensure your leaders are customer-focused. Here at Mophi, I want to read something right off of our website for you, Blake. It says, the experience ecosystem is the web of people, touch points and experiences that combined to define your experience promise to create a better long-term customer experience, one that increases revenue year after year, requires engaging and humanizing the entire ecosystem. And so when we talk about an experience promise, we're talking about that from a leadership and culture perspective within an organization. And I love what you were saying is you can't just hire someone from Nordstrom or you just can't hire someone from Disney or someone from Chick-fil-A and say, replicate it. You have to, within a, an organization, build this ecosystem that fits that and a culture. And you say that we need to over-invest and over-manage culture. What does that look like to you in practice? 
Over managing culture. In fact, I think you told me that you helped with the integration of Pixar and Disney. Yeah. And in my book, I actually talk about Ed Catmull, where he's the one of the founders of Pixar. And he talked about he would just hire great people. It's almost like a garden where he just tried to keep the weeds out to let the flowers bloom. He just looked for disruptions to allowing people to do great work. And I think that's really in practice what it looks like just every day in a thoughtful way, making sure there aren't major hindering blocks. When you hire great people, like let them do their job and keep the crap out and keep the politics and the bureaucracy out of the organization. And if you do that, especially as a leader, other people are going to see you doing that and your no zero tolerance policy for dealing with, you know, garbage. And that's going to catch on like wildfire within the organization in a positive way. And that's really how you create the culture is just keeping out negative people, bullies, bureaucracy, where people like hoard data. And, you know, so it's about creating this environment where things can blossom, whether that's looking at your who you're hiring, how you're developing them, looking at the metrics, performance metrics you hold your managers and your people to, all that matters. And I think once you do that, you'll notice that the flowers will be blooming like beautiful, beautiful, a beautiful garden. I love that. Um, you know, I have a mentor. When I went into corporate America after my first two careers, I had a mentor say to me that a leader's job and a senior leader, an executive's job is to do two things, remove barriers and then let the people do their work. And gosh, I wish more executives and leaders would just do that and shut up and get the hell out of the way of people. Yeah, I Um, like that. That's great. I want to turn to being a little more provocative about some possible future stuff because I know you love to think about the future. Blake, and let's talk about bundling experiences. So some online services like Airbnb are starting to embed the ability to buy their product plus a custom experience, like a guided tour of the city you're visiting. Will this creep into other platforms? And what do you think about that bundling of experiences? Yeah, I love this Airbnb experiences. Unfortunately, I think they released it like not long before the pandemic which is terrible for Airbnb. But yes, I think that companies now have to think more across the ecosystem of what's happening with that individual customer. For example, you know, let's say I'm traveling to Prague with my husband because one of us has a speaking engagement. Well, I've never been to Prague, but you can bet that we're going to not only stay in an Airbnb, which we did, but we love great little bakeries. And there's a lot of cute little bakeries around Prague. So we went on like a walking tour. We looked at castles. We we basically would walk ourselves really, really tired. So all the little cakes that we ate in these cute little Prague bakeries, we didn't come home with them. <laughs> these experiences... <laughs> are things that we did ourselves through TripAdvisor, but Airbnb is thinking, well, how can I get more share of wallet from that Blake or Jacob customer that, you know, I don't just want to take care of where they sleep at night. I want to take care of, you know, how they figure out their roadmap for the day and maybe where they eat or maybe even get a cut of the money from their dinner where somebody's, you get like a chef who comes and makes you like a special prog 
dinner. I think it makes sense. I think more companies are looking across the ecosystem of how to make money off the customer. And as far as like bundling, I think we're seeing a lot more of that. And it's a very tough and fast space. Like, honestly, I don't even follow it. Like as far as like the streaming wars and it's not something that I follow day to day, but I think it's really interesting. And anyway, it's sort of like an awkward time, I think, with the streaming wars and how we get content. And um, I'm curious about the streaming space. I have to say, I'm not like the preeminent expert in that, but I do find it fascinating as these companies compete so hard for the attention of the viewer. And like when you know, certain shows are pulled off of Netflix because let's say Disney owns them or, you know, Disney Plus when they launch. So I find that all fascinating. I also find it fascinating that if we get another plus type channel, I'm going to scream because I think everyone's doing (laughs) Paramount Plus, Discovery Plus. But it is, it's very interesting to see how that war is happening. So when I think about what is possible, one thing that swells me up with hope is remembering that all the experiences we are talking about always come back to people and to caring about people and the human. It isn't frivolous. So even entertainment is maybe easing someone's bad day or broken heart. What makes you show up for this work and why do you keep doing this? Yeah, I think that customer service is about helping vulnerable people. And that was initially what was interesting for me. I was always a very sensitive kid. You know, childhood was a little chaotic. I think that I just always was interested in people and helping people. And I think that there aren't a lot of people that cut through the bullshit, honestly, of life. There's so, and that's what you realize when you grow up is like, oh no, like, oh, all the adults are saying all these things that like aren't even true. And there's so much about life and business and the world that just doesn't make sense. And the world needs people like you and me that cut through the nonsense and say, here's what it is. And for me, my platform has always been, life is stressful. We need to make people's lives easier and better. How do we do that? And that's really creating a human experience. So for me, life and my career is always about making business more human. I had no idea growing up that there would be this opportunity to literally create a whole career on just bringing a message to people on stage, which is like, be nice to people, treat people how you would want to be treated. Don't be a jerk, make people's lives better. That's my whole platform I stand on. And I feel very blessed to have this opportunity to do it. I'm finally at an age and a point in my life where I I welcome it. I'm not afraid to do it. I love doing it. I did it pregnant. I did it through COVID. I'll keep doing it. And um, every day I do, I feel very grateful to be here on a mic. I really am completely unqualified for my job, but somehow people keep giving me opportunities and I'm just taking them and not looking back. Well, I love that. Helping vulnerable people. I think that is a powerful statement and says a lot about who you are as a person. So thank you for sharing that. One last question, and then we'll get into the close here. I'm curious about your thoughts on this. What does a company's bottom line gain by evaluating and unifying their whole experience ecosystem around a common purpose? Well, when we're talking about bottom line, this is a tough one for people interested in customer experience because the stats show that it does take longer to turn around profits when you are making long-term investments. I mean, look at Amazon, look at all these companies that take years to turn a profit. But studies do show that customer-focused companies make more money. It's like a common sense thing that if we 
if we do a good job, customers will want to come back. They'll tell their friends. And during COVID, if we create something that makes something that people hate, makes it wonderful and easy, like people will come and buy it from us. So it's this common sense thing that what's good for customers is good for the bottom line. But there's often this misunderstanding that happens in businesses because they're very, very focused on the quarterly profits. But once the senior executives get it, it seems to all run pretty smoothly. Like, oh yeah, we understand that if we make long-term investments, it's going to hurt for a little bit, but then we're going to turn a corner and things are going to get really bright for the company. So there's a clear ROI from investing in customer experience, but it's not always quick and easy to figure out what that is. Great, great advice to all of us. Well, thank you so much, Blake. We have come to this point in the podcast where we do something called the combustion questions. And it's three random questions that I'm going to ask you that you have no idea what you're getting put on the spot for right now. So are you ready for your first combustion question? Bring it on. (laughs) If you could hang out tonight in any city in the world, where would it be? Tonight, I will go to Melbourne, because we have family there and I miss them. My husband's grandma is 85 and they're back on lockdown. And I just feel sorry for them that they're back on lockdown. Also, my husband's grandma, she's like this old uh, Russian lady. She loves to swim in this um, salty pool. And I love swimming with her in this beautiful salty pool next to the ocean in Melbourne. And it just sounds really refreshing right now. Mm, I love that. Love that. All right. Combustion question number two. Camping or luxury hotel? Oh, luxury hotel. (laughs) (laughs) I've been camping once. That was enough for me. Yeah, me too. So don't feel bad. All right. Last one. What do you think about roller coasters? Roller coasters? I haven't been on a roller coaster in a really long time. I'm one of those people that I love to be surprised and I love fun. And I'm like a very serious person. And But my husband is super silly. And living with him is like a roller coaster because he's always making me laugh, like crying, laughing. And I am such a sober, serious lady sometimes with all my responsibilities and just my personality that he is like my... like perpetual roller coaster. I would go on a roller coaster for sure. I wouldn't want to know about it. I would want someone to bring me to like Disney and say, okay, Blake, you're just going to have to hang out. Oh, wait, no, here's this roller coaster. Go do this. And then I wouldn't know about it in advance. So we need to plan a like a scavenger hunt experiential trip for you, Blake. I think that's what you need. <laughs> yeah, I need awesome. something. Awesome. Well, Blake, let our listeners know how they can follow you and where they can find your podcast and all that. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean. You've been so great. If you want to learn more about me and what I do, blakemichellemorgan.com. And if you want to learn about entrepreneurship and how I did what I do, head over to BYOB Podcast. Thank you so much, Blake, for being here on the Combustion Chronicles with us and be successful and be safe. Thank you so much, Sean. You have a great rest of your day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Combustion Chronicles. Let's keep the conversation going by connecting on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. To learn more about the world of experience ecosystems, go to mofi.co, where you'll discover ideas and resources to help you ignite your own experience revolution. Be sure to check out my book, Kiss Your Dragons, Radical Relationships, Bold Heart Sets, and Changing the World, available now at Amazon. 
Then head over to SeanNason.com to engage resources, a discussion guide, and information about everything from self-paced training to personal coaching. You can find this episode's recap at SeanNason.com. We know you lead a busy life, so if you're driving, exercising, or maybe just blowing your own shit up, don't worry. We've already taken the notes for you. Each recap is filled with exclusive guest information, episode themes, quotes, resources, and more. And remember, please subscribe, rate, and review. As always, stay safe and be well.